Welcome to the Toss Mills Odoi Macarius podcast. Toss Mills Odoi is an apostle, teacher, and a sought-after speaker in international Christian leadership conferences. He is the son of Bishop Dag Hewitt Mills, who is the founder of the United Denominations and a best-selling author. With over 20 years' experience in church planting around the world and in the training and sending of missionaries, Apostle Toss currently serves at the Kadesh in Accra, Ghana, a vibrant church seeking to win the lost at all cost. He is also a director in the Dagwood Mills Ministries. Now, listen to Toss Mills Odoi. There is a time The one who made the whole world Has everything in his hands He wants the world to know him In all his righteousness And he has called us into his kingdom For such a time as this It's our time to believe it's our time to love and live there was a time we received but now it's time for us to give standing hand in hand together let's reach out and touch our world can you hear the spirit calling it's our time there was a time when we were learners And now it's time for us to teach There was a time we used to borrow But now it's time for us to learn There was a time we used to follow Now it's time for us to lead It's our season, it's our nation it's the time of destiny It's our time to believe It's our time to love and live There was a time we received But now it's time for us to give Standing hand in hand together Let's reach out and touch our world can you hear the spirit calling? It's our time. We have an obligation to reach this generation, to let his kingdom come within our world. And we know we can succeed simply because we do believe. He's given us what it takes to carry on, carry on. It's our time to believe, it's our time to love and live. There was a time we received, but now it's time for us to give. Standing hand in hand. 
let's reach out and touch our world can you hear the spirit calling 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 it's our time it's our time oh, oh, oh. it's our time Ooh. hallelujah amen let us pray Holy Spirit, we humble ourselves before you. We welcome your presence. Jesus assured us that when you come, you will teach us all things. And so we humble ourselves at your feet and ask you to teach us tonight in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, we are all welcome to the first um, revival by the fireside. You know, the Bible says that the Israelites cried to God and said, Lord, revive us in the midst of our years. And what we pray that in the middle of the week, it's, it's, it's always nice to come into the presence of the Lord. The Bible says that times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. So we are here tonight to be revived by the word of God, to be strengthened, to be empowered, to be encouraged, to be reinvigorated by the strength that comes from the word of God. And I believe that the word tonight is going to truly bring a strengthening and, and, and fortitude and strength and a chattering of a strong determined cause, you know, for us to work for God. Know that it will set us on the highway of holiness. Holiness means to be separated to God and to his work. And so I am I'm, I'm believing God, you know, that um, it's going to be a blessing. And I also bring you greetings from Bishop Saki. You know, he's so happy to send you his greetings and his blessings. And he wishes he was here with you. But he sent me to bring you the word of God tonight. Amen. Amen. Tonight and for the next few Tuesdays, as God gives us opportunity, I want to start sharing a message from Bishop's new book, Attempt Great Things for God. Hallelujah attempt great things for god you see one day someone was preaching and was encouraged he said that god didn't send us to go and make disciples he t- he sent us to go and preach the gospel amen and he himself told us that as we preach not everyone will believe so we are not saying to go and win an argument with unbelievers to try to prove that jesus is lord you know i I have tried to prove to unbelievers that Jesus is Lord. It doesn't work. I have tried to make disciples. It doesn't work. You know, I remember I was on my first mission field in Senegal. And um, I was looking for a job to be a lay pastor so I could stay and work for God. And I remember one afternoon, it was a hot afternoon, I went to um, the office of World Vision in um, Dakar, Senegal to apply for a job. So when I got there, I met the um, security man at the gate. He guided me in. I deposited my application. As I was leaving, I decided to share the word of God with him. 
You see, I'd been unsuccessful in my evangelism. So I decided that this time I would not preach to him about Jesus. But I would preach to him, you know, that he should join the church and the advantages of being a part of the church. You know, so I told him I was from Ghana, from a great church. I'd been sent by a great pastor. You know, we were doing well as a church. I was here to start a mission. I had started. And so he came and joined the church. So as I spoke, I preached to him the word of God. Look, he even said you'd like to go to our Bible school in Ghana. Yeah. But the time I finished speaking to him for 45 minutes, he wanted to not just join the church, but come to Ghana and become a preacher like me. I was happy. So before I left, I said, let us share a word of prayer. I decided to lead him in a sinner's prayer. So I said, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, today, today, I come before you, I come before you, just as I am, just as I am, I confess my sins, I confess my sins, give my heart to you, everything he said. Then, you see, <laughs> I sort of knew I was doing something wrong. So I delayed the part where you say, I received Jesus as my Lord and personal Savior. I delayed it because I knew inside me that I was not leading him to Christ. I was trying to lead him to the church. I was trying to lead him to the Bible school. I was trying to lead him to a good life, but not Christ. So I delayed the Christ part because I sort of sensed I was going to be disappointed. So he said the whole sinner's prayer, but there can be no sinner's prayer without Jesus. So at the point I said, I received Jesus as my Lord and Savior. He was quiet. <laughs> then I repeated, I received Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Then he was quiet. Then I opened my eyes and he was looking at me. <laughs> then he said, I have a question. <laughs> In the middle of the sinner's prayer, he asked me a question. I said, what question do you have? He said, can I be both a Christian and another religion at the same time. <laughs> that is when I saw that I had wasted 50 minutes of my life in trying to lead somebody to have an idea about Jesus without leading the person to Jesus. And that day and forever, I learned that the wisest thing to do is to put Jesus first. <laughs> so you don't waste your time in what you are doing. You see, as we go about life, it is easy to be distracted about so many things. But I can assure you that except Jesus comes first and Jesus is the center and the kingdom of God comes first in everything that you are doing. At the end, not at the beginning, not in the middle because my disappointment came at the end. As I put Jesus last, I saw that I had wasted 50 minutes of my life by trying to avoid putting Jesus first. And that is why I want to share with you right now about attempting great things for God. Not for yourself, for God. Because whether you like it or not, as you grow older and you grow wiser and you are getting near the end of your life, you will learn through your own experiences. And as you see the futility of life and the disappointments that have come, as you have sought your own way unsuccessfully, you will now come to start doing things for God. But by then, how much can you do? 
And the Bible said that be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he reap. So you, so, you, so you cannot not serve God throughout your life. Then at the end of your life, try to do something small. You will still go out with a lot of regret, a lot of unfulfilled dreams. Because you see, the Bible said that the things of the world, they don't satisfy. The woman at the well said, give me this water that I may not thirst again. Because everything on earth will leave you thirsty for more. But it's Jesus who is the wine that never runs out. Amen. And so that's why I'm so happy to share with you from this book, Attempt Great Things for God. Let's turn, dearly beloved, to Isaiah chapter 54, verse 2. He said, Enlarge the place of thy tent. Enlarge the place of thy tent. And let them stretch forth the curtains of thy habitations. He says, Spare not. Spare not. Strengthen thy sticks. You see, many years ago, I was privileged to be the crusade manager of the Healing Jesus campaigns. And in those days, we used to use a tent. The tent came in segments. Ten different segments. So you had the two ends and then the middle. The middle were eight. So depending on how large you wanted the tent to be, you took a certain number of middle segments. Because you could just put one end, the middle, and then another end. It will give you a small tent. If you added two middles, then longer, 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 longer. So I can understand what this verse means. The bigger your tent will be, it depends on how long you decide the tent to be. And look at it here. It says that you enlarge the place of your tent. You are the one who is supposed to strengthen forth and stretch the curtains of your habitations. And it says that stand not. What is trying to say that don't hold back. Don't hold back in your serving God. Strengthen thy stakes. You see, the bigger the tent, the deeper you have to nail the pegs to secure it. You see, when you are going to go far with God, you will secure yourself. The word of God will be your deep anchor. And you go deep into the word of God because you know that you are going to be big, you are going to be high, and so your foundations need to be strong. Amen. Amen. So that you will not fall. And that's where Isaiah prophesied. He says, spare not. Lengthen your curtains. Lengthen your cord. Stretch it out. Don't hold back. You know, the Bible says that care is he that keepeth back his soul from blood. Amen. Bishop said that this book is about attempting to do something for God. You see, human beings have an innate selfish ambition for self-preservation. But Jesus assured us that no one can keep back his spirit in the day of death. Our self-preservation cannot help us. You cannot determine for sure whether you will die tomorrow or not. In spite of everything you are doing to live long. In spite of all the face masks you wear. I'm sure since the corona started, some people have died not from the coronavirus, but from car accidents. Or from being hit by a car by the road. Or by some other means. Amen. More people are dying from non-corona related illnesses than from corona related illnesses. You see, so that should teach us that there's not much we can actually practically really do. To keep ourselves alive. So it is now time to turn our affections on things above, not on things on earth. Where Christ dwells. 
You see, it is now time to set our affection, to tune our affections, intentionally direct our attentions. How, how many of us have not written an exam? We learned extremely hard, but we still failed the exam. Yes. Because the race is not to the swift. The battle is not to the strong. Bread is not to the wise. Favor is not to the man of scale. But time and chance. God at the end of it controls everything. Amen. In Luke chapter 16 verse 15. The Bible says, And he said unto them, Ye are they who justify yourselves before men. But God knows your hearts. (laughs) God knows our hearts. You know, one of the things I like about Jesus is how he can accurately discern our hypocrisies and then deal with it. You know, one of my favorite verses is Mark, uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 32, not 33. 33 is the famous one, seeking for the kingdom of God. But in 32, he said that after all these things do the Gentiles seek after, and your heavenly father knows that ye have need of these things also. If you ask a Christian for what they want, they'll never tell you the truth. If you ask them what kind of car do they want to drive, they'll never tell you the truth. Because they don't want to appear worldly. <laughs> it's true. But Christians, I tell you, like the same thing that unbelievers like. Say, I know. And the Bible says that Jesus came and told us that your heavenly father knows that you also like these things. But he'll give it to you in a different way. By you seeking first the kingdom of God, all the things that unbelievers are looking for shall be added. Not that you go and look for them, it shall be added unto you. When something is added to you, you have not gone to bring it. You have not gone to get it. There's a difference between getting and adding. Adding means that you are there and it is brought to you. Getting means that you, that you left where you are to go and bring it. And there's a difference. And I tell you, I assure you tonight that as you attempt great things for God, not for yourself, all these things shall be added unto you. Amen. You see, if the Bible is true and if God is true, then it is likely that everything we are doing for ourselves is opposite, directly opposite to what God wants us to do. How do I know? The Bible tells us in Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9. It says that his ways are not our ways. And his thoughts are not our thoughts. Then it goes on to say in verse 9 that as high as the heavens are above the earth, so are his ways. Or that is how. That is the difference between God and us. As high. He used a superlative. He used an extreme infinite comparison. That as high as the heavens are above the earth, so are his ways above our ways and, and his thoughts above our thoughts. So what you are choosing to do is likely to be the opposite of what God wants to do. That is why the prayer of his will being done in your life is so important, is so critical. I can tell you for free that most of the experiences I've been through that I didn't like, at the time, as the years have gone by, have turned out to be the greatest blessings for my life. In fact, it is almost like to the extent to which I dislike what happened, to the extent that I hated the event or the occurrence, to the, to the, it's like the more I dislike something, 
the higher it takes me. And if I were to choose it, the more I would not choose something, the better it is for me. It's true. And I can tell you that it's probably from years of subjecting myself to his will. So God himself knows that now he doesn't ask me for my permission any longer. He doesn't even answer a lot of my prayers I'm praying. That is why I don't even pray with prayer topics. I just go and sit in my chair in my in the name of Jesus, then I leave. Because his ways are not my ways. Amen. Tonight, and for the next few weeks, I want to just teach you about focusing on God. Focusing on God. Fixing our eyes on God. And trying to do what God wants. Attempting great things for God. You know, when my father died, and before he died, you know, there were many things I used to discuss with him. And at that point, I saw that he had lost interest in the world and in life. You know, I tried to tell him, you can do this to be happy. He could, but he could see, but he could see the uselessness of everything on earth. And the, one of the last times I was talking to him, the last but one time I spoke to him, he began to tell me a long list of people he has helped. Every month, about 200 people ate from his lajis, from his pockets. <laughs> yeah. When he died, a family of seven came. And they, told, they came to the house and they told us that they know we don't know them. But they just want us to know that for the last 40 years, my father had been taking care of them. The whole family. School fees, medical fees, food. 40 years. You see, and, and he began to tell me that Every month, I send money to this person, money here, and I didn't even know the people. At the end of your life, it is the thing that you have done, not for yourself, but for others. Those will be the thing that you talk about with joy. The thing that you've done for yourself, they won't matter much. Because his ways are not our ways. And he always lives for others. He came to die for others. He didn't die because he was a sinner. He came to die for others. He brought salvation for others. He brought healing for others. He was not hungry. He fed 5,000 other people. Amen. How to attempt great things for God. What it means to attempt great things for God. The power of attempting great things for God. Daniel chapter 11, verse 28 to 33. I want us to read this whole verse of scripture together. Then shall he return unto his land. With great riches. I believe that when this corona season ends, we are coming out of it with great riches. And his heart shall be lifted against the holy covenant. And he shall do exploits and return to his own land. At the time appointed, he shall return and come forward and come toward the south. But it shall not be as the former or as the latter. For the shifts of shitting shall come against him. Therefore, he shall be grieved and returned and have indignation against the holy covenant. So shall he do. He shall even return and have intelligence with them that forsake the covenant. And arm shall stand on his path, and they shall pollute the sanctuary of strength and shall take away the daily sacrifice. You know, you are talking about the Antichrist here. It is the Antichrist that takes away your daily sacrifice for God. 
your quiet time, your prayer, your offerings, you know, when they say it's time to give offerings and you don't want to give, it is from the Antichrist. Taking away your daily sacrifice. Remember that I said that what you don't want to do is likely to be what God wants to be done. (laughs) Where are we? He shall take away the daily sacrifice and they shall place the abomination that make it desolate. And such as do wickedly against the covenant shall he corrupt by flattery. But look at this. In spite of all these calamities and troubles and crises, the Bible says that, but, you see, in everything that happens, there is a but. Whenever you see the word but or you hear the word but, just know that it, whatever is coming to follow is the opposite of everything that has happened. Sometimes when I'm in a meeting or I'm talking to someone and the person begins, or I say something, and the person begins to speak. Sometimes I just tell the person, please jump to the bat. Mm-hmm. Because all that you are saying, I can see that you are going to say bat mm-hmm. at a point. So instead of talking a lot, just go to the bat and then let me hear what you have to say really from your heart. Mm-hmm. It says that bat, the people that know their God shall be strong and do exploits. Yeah. Exploits are the opposite of a lot of talking. Many people who talk don't achieve much. There's a saying, it's not in the Bible, but it's experientially true. It says that empty barrels make the most noise. Yeah, empty barrels make the most noise. And in my experience and my short estimation, anybody who talks a lot doesn't work well. In fact, when I'm employing people, one of the chief disqualifiers is people who talk a lot. Yeah. When you come for the interview and you are talking a lot, you know, I want to do books where God, I believe in the anointing of vision. I just listen to you quietly. I say, okay, powerful, powerful. Then as soon as you go, I talk about that. We won't employ him. He is going, he's going to talk too much. <laughs> yeah, we are, not gui- we are not guided by talking and you know, the books are anointed. No, we are guided by hard workers. Not talkers. Yeah. I keep quiet and watch the talkers. And when they finish, I say, oh, okay. It's very powerful. We thank God for your zeal and everything, everything. As soon as they leave the office, I say, no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. People who talk a lot are usually not achievers. It says, but the the people. You see, when you are not doing exploits for God, it's a sign that you don't know God. I'm sorry to tell you. <laughs> the Bible says it. That those who know their God, this shall be a sign. They shall be strong. And they shall do. Not they shall say. <laughs> they shall do. Not they shall say. What does the Bible say? The Bible is clear. It is said that it is not all those who say Lord, Lord. Who shall enter? But those who did what? They did the will of my father. The Bible says, it is not the hearers of the word, but the doers who shall be blessed in their deeds. Amen. So it says here that the condition for exploits is strength and knowing God. There's no one who does exploits and doesn't know God. The the devil will fight you in a way that that you curse God and die. Look at Job's wife. 
She was a talker. <laughs> Job's wife was a talker. But you can see that Job was not a talker. Yeah. So he survived. Jesus was not a talker. Jesus didn't say much. He was quiet. A lot of the time. But he was a doer of exploits. What are exploits? Number one. Exploits are works of God. Yeah. (laughs) When you start a church and after one year the church is growing that is a work of God. That is an exploit. (laughs) Because after one year it's possible to come to your church eh? and we only find chairs. But chairs are not the works of God. Plastic chairs with a Jinami sign on it. That is not the work of God. That is not the work of God. Drums are not the, the work of God. God didn't create drums. God created human beings. So it's the human beings we see certain. Those are the works of God. Exploits are notable achievements. That means we can write about them. Have you ever heard this saying? It is nothing to write home about. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you may do something, but it's nothing to write about. It is not notable. If after one year, there are three people in your church, it's nothing to write home about. Yeah. <laughs> Exploits are striking accomplishments. Striking like the stri- the, what does it mean for an accomplishment to be striking? When something strikes you, you turn. Yeah. When something strikes you, you react. Yes, when an accomplishment is striking, it forces you to take note of it. You stop what you are doing to look. <laughs> there are some achievements that you pass by without noticing it. It is not a burning bush experience. It doesn't cause you to stop, to consider, to ponder. But when it is an exploit, you stop and say, wow. Wow. When Solomon built his temple, it was so glorious that when the kings of the earth came, the Bible said that and there was no more breath left in them. They couldn't see the And Solomon had to quickly tell them, please breathe, breathe, breathe. <laughs> you are dying, breathe. An exploit is a bold undertaking. Something that only brave people can do. That's why God told Joshua, look, stop this servant of Moses thing. Moses is dead. Now be strong and very courageous. This promised land you are going to is not for people who are mourning the dead who have died and gone. It's a bold undertaking. It's a bold undertaking. For Elijah, why do we keep talking about Elijah? One of his notable achievements was to call fire from heaven. To call, it was a bold undertaking. You had to be brave. To say you are going to start a center in your area, some people come and say, Bishop Saki, Familiarity, the people in my area, 
they'll be familiar. So that's why they are not coming to church. The people in my area, they come home late from work. So that's why they are not coming. The people in my area, they are undeducated. That's why they are not coming. The people in my area, they are lawyers and accountants. That's why they are. There are some people who have a problem for every solution. Did you hear me well? I said there are some people, they have a problem for every solution. <laughs> These are not workers of exploits. They are noise makers. An exploit is a dairy feat. You know, one day I watched a film called um, Captain Phelps. It was about the hijacking on, the, uh, on um, an oil tanker that the Somali pirates had hijacked a tanker. It was, it's based on a true story. And they had kidnapped the captain and his crew and taken them to a lifeboat on the sea. The sea that goes up and down. And the pirates were threatening to kill the captain and the two crew members. They needed to rescue them. And as the water and the food was getting friendly, they were becoming frantic. You know, so the U.S. government sent some people to um, neutralize the problem. Neutralize. Liquidate the problem. And this was their mission. The three of them needed to shoot the three pirates through the window of the lifeboat that is going up and down on the sea at the same time. Because if one of them doesn't die, he can kill the rest of the people. So now there's a small boat going up and down on the sea. And the windows are at different parts, so you cannot tell where each is standing at the same time. And on top of that, they have to shoot at the same time as their ship they are on is going up and down and the boat is also going up and down. Look, this mission is not for soldiers whose job is to beat market women at Kaswa. Kaswa. To enforce the lockdown. <laughs> I mean, their speciality is to enforce coronavirus lockdown by beating market women carrying tomatoes in Kaswa. They cannot do such a job. No, they cannot do such a job. Kaswa market women. No, they cannot do such a job. They are wearing face masks. They cannot do such a job. They chose three of the best snipers in America. I tell you, when you watch the film, you'll be shocked. They laid down and they look, I was shocked. They said they had to time the beat of their heart because when your heart beats, your body vibrates. I, I did, I, I don't know that because I don't have notable exploits in shooting a gun. <laughs> yes. But those who do, they know that your heart beats, so they have to time the beating of their heart to the time they'll pull the trigger. So that when the heart beats, boom, and the heart is at rest, that is when they'll shoot. All the three of them, at the same time, at the shape, look, and I tell you, they executed their mission perfectly. That is a notable exploit. Listen, if you say you are a servant of God, what have you also accomplished? What is your notable exploit? What have you done? What the, if it's notable, it can be spoken about. Yes, it can be spoken about. So you ask yourself, what have you done that can be spoken about? That is worth being talked about. Jesus came to die 
from his death till now, everybody talks about it. You cannot come to this world and die without knowing that a man called, even if you don't believe in him, it's fine. But you will know about his coming 2,000 years ago. Hallelujah. Exploits are necessary to validate your calling. Yeah. It shows that you're a man of God. Yes. You're not a boy of God. Boy, boys of God have no validation. There's nothing for them to talk about. Yeah. You know, one day I was talking to some missionaries and they were saying that, you know, when they come, there's nobody to talk about because they eh, eh, and you see, I told them that there is no missionary, even in a book or missions, that I cannot talk to based on the experiences that I have had on the mission field. Yeah. <laughs> when I would miss it, I can match them through exploits I have talked for God. One day I was in Senegal and it was a Sunday. And God said, fast and pray, dry. What I didn't know was that a marabou had come to the street after my house, like the next street. And God wanted me to pray him out. I didn't know. So we were locked in mortal combat. I didn't know. I was at home for seven days, praying about 20 hours a day. I didn't know what was happening. By the end of the 20th day, I had boils red. All over my head, my face was red. I didn't know what was happening. My church members came to church on Sunday and said, Your face is red. I said, Really? I didn't know. Tuesday, I went to a prayer meeting. By the time I was coming back, half of my house was burnt. The house had burnt, so you could see a line black to this point. Apparently, my prayers had neutralized his occultism. Absolutely neutralized his occultism. And so he came to burn down my house. And God sent his angel. <laughs> the man jumped into the house, put out the fire with no, with no water, n- nothing. And sat down, gave a report, and, let, and nobody knew who he was or asked him his name. Several experiences I've had all over the world, all over the world. I don't need the Bible to tell me God exists. My personal experiences tell me that God exists. Amen. A person who has exploits has overcome excuses and reasons about why things cannot be done. You know, one of the things I I dislike most in my life are excuses. Because, you see, I've learned that excuses are lies to justify why you don't do something. Every excuse is a lie. Every excuse is a lie. You know, the Bible says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So when you want, when you want to do something, you will do it. And, you, and human beings have proven it to be true. We have gone to the moon and come back. We've sent crafts to space. We, look, we, we've done impossible things in the past. Every time you don't want to do something, you find a, a true reason. But the fact is, you didn't want to do it. If you wanted to do it, you would. The power of exploits. I will start today, maybe give you just one or two, and then we'll continue next week. One. Exploits are a sign of the strength that you carry. 
when you are a man of exploits, you are a man of strength. Amen. Amen. Is it five minutes to end the preaching or five minutes to end the service? Preaching. Okay. Exploits are a sign of the strength that you carry. Daniel 11.32 Them that do know their God shall be strong. And when they are strong, they shall do exploits. You know, when I joined the Kadesh, we had a page where all the center leaders post their pictures when they do it. So my first week on the page, I saw different pictures. Some you didn't know whether it was from a shrine because <laughs> the whole place was the whole place was dark with three or four people sitting on stools. I mean, the person you didn't know whether the preacher was a fetish priest or a priest that you know, but I said, Wow! And you know, as a Christian, you have to say, Wow! So I say, Wow! Another one will come. You don't know if it's a classroom that like the school is not working. So many things. Then at the point I saw some pictures. I said, ah. first of all, I saw a crowd. I said, ah. then I saw microphone stands. Then I saw a television. Then I saw a pulpit. Then I saw a keyboard. Then I saw drums. Suddenly it struck me. You see, an exploit is a striking event. It strikes you. So, I said, no. What is this? So, I copied the picture. Sent it to Bishop Sally. I said, who is this? You see, it strikes you. It strikes you. Of course, you can be struck in a, in a negative way too. Like I was saying, some, I thought it was a fetish shrine from Ovopo. <laughs> so I sent Bishop Isaac the picture. I said, Who is this? That he told me it is so so and so. I said, Wow! See, it strikes you. It's a sign of somebody with spiritual strength. And of course, the more I got to know the person, the more I got to know his personal story. You see, we will get there soon. Somebody who does exploit is somebody who has overcome and is strong. You might be able, you know, when the devil has attacked me so many times in so many, he has attacked me in every way, every time. That one day I had to call him for a meeting. And I said, you know something, eh? I want to assure you that I will serve God until I die. Yeah. Unless God says he doesn't want me again. <laughs> but you see, Paul said, neither death nor life, angels nor principalities, things present or things to come, height nor death or any other thing shall be able to, ex- to separate me from Christ Jesus. Your exploits show your strength. <laughs> and number two, last point for today. Your exploits are a sign of how much you know God. It says, and those who know their God shall watch strong and do exploits. You see, when you know somebody, it gives you confidence to act on behalf of the person. Genesis chapter 4 verse 1. You know, that word know is a very 
serious word, eh? Genesis 4 1. Adam knew Eve and she brought forth. <laughs> Adam knew Eve and she brought forth. If you know God, you will also bring forth. Yeah. You know, the word know is from the Hebrew word yada. That's the same word we, we use for praise. But it also means to seek intimacy with someone or to be intimate with someone. And it always brings forth fruit. The more you know somebody, the more you know God, the more fruit you bear spiritually. The more you know banking, the more banking fruit you bring forth. That, see, that is why before they employ you, they try to see that how much do you know about the job you are coming to do? That's why we go to school. To know a lot about something. So if you want to be a lawyer, you go to the law school so you know a lot about law. Then you can be a good lawyer. You want to be a doctor, you go to the medical school so you know a lot about medicine so you can bring forth a lot of medical food. In the ministry as well, the more you know God, the more you will be able to do for God. That's why the and those who know their God shall be strong and do exploits. And the more somebody knows somebody, the more authority they have with the person. And that is why you may be looking for someone. You may be more successful going through his secretary than even his official assistant. Yeah. Because that's the person that knows and that he's here. He's here. He has gone here. He's doing this. He'll come at this time. The person who knows him. And you can see that such, you know, when I'm training people to on them, the protocols of dealing with pastors and ministries, one of the first things I teach them is you must respect the person's secretary or administrator. If you intend to be successful with your boss, <laughs> yes, never think that you want to deal with the head pastor but not the administrator or his secretary. It will never work. The person who knows him is the one who has power to act on behalf of the person. And in the same way, if you know God, you will have the power and the authority to act on behalf of God. So the more you know God, the more you will be sure about what you are doing for him and you see, the Bible says, cast not therefore away your confidence, for it has great recompense of reward. When you are starting your center, you are starting your church, you are starting your bar center, you are leading a prayer meeting, the more you know God, the more sure you'll be about what you are saying, and the more you speak, and the more God will confirm your word with signs and wonders. Because I tell you, <laughs> an assistant may be wrong, but if he's acting on behalf of his head, the head will come and support him even in the wrong thing he has done. Oh yeah. Because he's acting on his behalf. Same with God. If you, if you know God and God knows that you know him and God knows you and you are acting on his behalf, even when you are wrong, God will back you. Like he did Moses. Like he did David. He had always been backing his servants. When Abraham even lied and sold his wife to Abimelech, he went to warn Abimelech that look, Abraham has lied to you, but don't try it. <laughs> it is true. Even in Abraham's lie, if you dare react to his lie, you are dead. God told Abimelech, you are a dead man. You are a dead man. Why is he a dead man? Because he has done something wrong. No. It's because God's servant has sinned. No. Even though God's servant has sinned, God told the person that if you try to react against the sin of my servant, you are dead. <laughs> Yeah, because Abraham knew God. You are a very wise person.
to know God. It will lead to exploits. God will back you. So, dear friend, as we end the service today, try to get some exploits for God. Never die with no exploits. Let your name be written. You know, I remember when we were going to the university, we had a meeting with Bishop and he made a statement. He said, let leave your footprints on the campus. Yes, he said, leave your footprints on the campus. What, what was saying was, leave some exploits behind you. Something that is notable and you will be remembered by. And I see God bringing a revival in your spirit. And you will start doing exploits and you will be noted in Jesus' name. Stand to your feet wherever you are. Every standing, every standing wherever you are. Lift up your hands. Let us pray. Ask God for exploits. Ask God for strength. Ask God that you will know him. (laughs) Ask God that you seek intimacy with him. Ask God to help you to overcome excuses. In the name of Jesus. Everything can be done. Everything can be done. Everything can be done. You can do exploits. As you are looking at me. Exploits are your portion. God raises up and God's intention for us is for everyone to do exploits. May you begin to do exploits in the name of Jesus. May you know God. Pray that you know him. Like Paul said, that I might know him. And the the sufferings, and the resurrection of his sufferings, be made conformable into his death. That you may become like Christ. That you will be with him in the fellowship of his sufferings. Pray for exploits. That you will be a man of exploits. That you will be a man of exploits. That you will be a man of exploits. Like the mighty men of David, the thirty mighty men, that you be them that do exploits. Hallelujah! As we end, please put your hand on your heart. Say, Lord Jesus, make me into a man of exploits. Give me strength in my spirit. In my inner man, strengthen me with might. In my inner man, that I may be strong and work strong and do exploits. Fill me with your Holy Spirit, that I may be a doer, not a talker, a doer, that I may be blessed in all my deeds. In the name of Jesus. Let's all pray this prayer together. Say, Lord Jesus, tonight. I come to you just as I am. Please forgive me for all my sins. I'm a sinner. I have sinned. Please forgive me for all my sins and wash me with the blood of Jesus. Tonight, I receive Jesus as my Lord and my personal Savior. Say, Heavenly Father, please write my name in your book of life so that when I die, I will come to heaven. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray with thanksgiving. Amen. Hallelujah.